The title of America's Best Barista officially belongs to Andrea Allen. Andrea is the co-founder of Onyx Coffee Lab, whose newest location is in Johnson. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore visited the new location to interview Andrea about what got her interested in coffee, preparing for the Barista World Championship in Milan, and the one competitive project she takes on that she's admittedly mediocre at doing. Andrea Allen never really planned on doing anything besides making coffee. I didn't do anything before coffee. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, when I was in high school, I started going to coffee shops here in um, northwest Arkansas because I thought it was cool and I liked uh, sweet drinks. So I just, like, something I started doing. And when I graduated from high school, my first thing was to, like, just get a coffee job. And so that's what I did, and I love serving people. I love making drinks. I love doing things with my hands. And so I just love doing it and I never stopped. Andrea and her husband, John, founded Onyx Coffee Lab. And almost immediately, she started competing in barista tournaments. And for us, we Onyx was a new company at the time and we were looking for a way to help show the coffee industry that we were producing really great coffee. And so being from Arkansas, it's not always easy to like knock on the door of cafes in LA and say, hey, we have great coffee, you should try it. Um, so John encouraged me to go and I started doing it and I just really got hooked. I'm a really competitive person by nature and so I was just wanting to, to do it and to do well and to I love making coffee, I love talking to people, and so it really hit all of my skill sets. So I kind of just got hooked and kept, I didn't even have the world competition in sight. I mean, just making it there is insane. Um, but over time, like, I started, I got better, and I've been to the U.S. competition, like, five times, and I finally was able to win that in uh, February of 2020. And so, yeah, the world competition has been uh, delayed several times because of COVID, but it finally happened, and it was amazing. Judging coffee seems like it can be subjective. How can you objectively decide whether or not a barista and her coffee is the best in the world? So basically how it works is everyone follows the same setup and the same rules. You have 15 minutes to serve three different drinks to four sensory judges. So you make an espresso, an espresso and milk, and then a signature drink, which just has to be espresso focused. So you're being scored on how the drinks taste, what your knowledge of them is, um, and then how the judges agree with what you say they're going to experience. So if I tell them like this espresso is gonna have qualities of rose, acidity like orange, you know, sweetness like a dark chocolate, they need to like drink it and say absolutely yes. And that's how you score score points. Um, and then they also are evaluating your presentation. So they're usually looking for someone that's like a representative of the coffee industry, someone that is like um, presenting innovation, someone that is like just ha has forward thinking ideas. Um, for coffee, a lot of our industry watches the competition. So that's where tons of like ideas come out of and just like, it ends up becoming like the thought leader of the industry. And so basically um, inside of those rules, you can do a ton of stuff. So it's like your own take on all of those drinks, um, your own, you can use coffee you roasted, you can buy coffee from someone. Like, I mean, you can really like do all kinds of stuff. And so 
that's kind of like what what is being looked at. And then as you go through the different levels of competition, so from a regional to a national to a world competition, like the level of drink quality, coffee quality, presentation skill sets, and then there the judges like desire to see those be like above and beyond and creative and innovative, like just continues to like get higher and higher. When you think about the the first coffee you made when you think of the competition in 2014 compared to where you just were in Milan in 2021, what has changed in the way that you make coffee and what has kind of been foundational in the way that you continue to make coffee? Wow, no one's ever asked me that question before. That That's really cool. I mean, I think when I first went to a competition, I took a coffee that we had in the shop that was really good and I made it to my best of the best of my ability. I think it was a really great coffee and my drinks were really good. But over time, first of all, coffee has fundamentally changed. So there is an incredible um, focus on really small lots of coffee that are extremely um, cared for. They're intentionally picked and processed to like create different kinds of flavor experiences. And so that like part of the industry has grown um, incredibly. Um, my first competition, I used uh, honey processed coffee, and then after that, I used natural processed coffees. And in 2014, I was one of the only, if not the only, person using a not washed coffee because that was what was being. Um, it wasn't popular. It was looked down upon as um, as like a processing method, and so. So like the entire industry of coffee has completely changed, but then my skill sets have changed a ton too. So just being able to like take a coffee and prepare it in a way that is really good, that um, has distinct characteristics that can be described well so that the judges can like agree with me wholeheartedly. Um, and then just like making like really, really good drinks. I know that sounds really funny, but in competition, Sometimes the drinks can score really well, but they don't taste that great because they're following this kind of score set rubric. So for me, my goal always is to have drinks that like anyone could try and that they're incredible. I also this year specifically had a big focus on everything I did on the world stage could be recreated by almost any barista in a coffee shop. So simplicity was a big like focus for me this year of just like, you don't have to be this like have these insane tools or insane skill sets to make great coffee it's like more about thinking through like flavor preparation and how that affects like flavor experience and then just like excellence in preparation of coffee the u.s championship was held in february of 2020 and of course we know what came soon thereafter the world championship was on a definite hiatus but then in july the announcement came that the competition would be in October, three months, Andrea says she was spending around 40 hours a week preparing and perfecting her presentation and skills. Well, I was surprised when I started practicing for Worlds because I hadn't lost a ton, which is great because um, between U.S. and the World competition, I mean, the pandemic has just been insane for every everyone, period, and then much less like uh, hospitality and food service has been crazy. So I was not just refining my skills that whole time. I was like doing all kinds of stuff to help our, our business and our team uh, just and our community continue to like 
uh, go forward. And so, um, yeah, when the competition got announced, I was like, wow, I haven't actually even really done anything on this since since the U.S. competition. So, yeah, there, I was a little rusty to start with, but not not as bad as I as I thought. And I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to put the amount of like time and energy and love into it as I normally do. But it turned out that I had plenty of time, and um, yeah, the results were awesome. There's a link to her 15-minute presentation at the World Barista Championships at our website, ozarksatlarge.com. And it is absolutely mesmerizing. Andrea came in second place in the tournament. So, when she isn't competing in barista championship tournaments, what does Andrea do to get away from work? A reliable source told me that you have a drink on the menu that is named after your horse, that you have a horse... Um, can you talk about can you talk about what it's like to like have a life outside of work in so much that you have a horse? <laughs> what is life outside of work? No, um, that's really funny. Yeah, my horse's name is Alfie, but when we first got him, we my mom could never keep his name straight because we've had all kinds of horses over the years. So she would call him Mo or she would call him Jack, which are other horses that we've had. So I just started calling him Alfie Mo Jack. It was like just any name we could think of became his name. And so, no, it's it's really fun. I mean, uh, I think everyone struggles with work-life balance. So for us, I mean, we just like want to do a great job at work and then we want to go home and like have our own life. And we have two daughters who are like amazing that are like a huge uh, blessing and focus in our life. But yeah, I ride horses and I love them. And for me, I obviously am a competitive person and I'm a very like active, energetic person. So I need to have things that are outside of work that I can work really hard at and be completely mediocre at that don't affect my family's livelihood. And so that's how horses function a little bit for me. I love them and I train my horses and I take them to competitions and I usually get last and it's really good for me to have something that's like just a a huge work in progress but that doesn't really have any um actual uh matter in uh yeah in in my work life yeah 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 training your horse is not going to impact your bottom line right not at all and so in fact if I was um Relying on that as my livelihood, I um, it would be a sad state for my family. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just a fun hobby. What is it about horses compared to like you know having a dog that you walk on a regular basis? Like, what is it about horses specifically that like? Oh gosh. You, you talked. You had them as a kid, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, is that part of it? Is just that like you grew up with horses and and you continue to love them or? It is. I started riding when I was five with my mom and I have ridden my whole life and had lots of different horses over the years and I just have a connection with them. I really know how to communicate with them and um, I just, I don't have a lot of fear in that way and so I like just love getting on them and like running across the field and like just doing stuff that makes me feel awesome and like just knowing I have like a partnership with a horse and the horses also tend to like me, which is great. Um, I think one of the, (laughs) this is a random thing, but dogs tend to like lots of people. So like you don't have to be the dog's number one for it to be friendly to you, but horses are very specific. So it's like to have a, to have a large animal like that actually like you is, is like a really fun 
kind of thing. So I think for me, it's just all of those things combined. It's an earned friendship. It's an earned friendship, yeah. This is a funny story, too. So the shop we're in right now, this is actually built on the footprint of the house that I grew up in. And like these, some of these fields that you see around here, I have ridden my horses in like since I was like five years old. And I periodically ride my horses over here and still ride, even though it's become like a development. That new location Andrea mentioned is called Well Met Cafe in Johnson. There's plenty of parking available on site for your car or your horse. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore.